surrender. Have you surrendered everything to Jesus? The Lord is revealing to us today stop fighting against him and start fighting for him. We see this in, in Jesus' words to, the, to, to Saul. Saul, Saul, why, why do you kick against the goals? Saul, why, why are you fighting against something that you can't stop? Why are you trying to inhibit and prohibit my kingdom come and my will be done? Yet every day in our lives, we are fighting against God's will in our own lives. We are we want to be our own God. We want our own authority. But Jesus says, I, I was lifted up that I may be your master. I was lifted up that I may be your savior. Surrender. And experience the freedom that comes in abiding in Jesus. Where all of your response to the Lord is yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Whatever you want me to do, Lord. I'm here, Lord. Here I am. Send me. If you need me to go, Lord, then I'll go. You need me to stand up, Lord, then I'll stand up. You need me to open my mouth, Lord, then I'll open my mouth. You need me to set that down, God, then I'll let it go. Whatever it is, he's saying today, surrender. Let that situation go. You can't fix it anyway. You've been trying to fix it all these years and it ain't got fixed. Surrender. And experience the freedom that comes with abiding in Christ this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We thank you. Our worship team for leading us this morning, and I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to this church gathered at Forest Baptist. It's so good to be with you. It is always a privilege to be before you on a Sunday morning for worship. I don't know what you come to do, but, but I've come to praise the Lord, and I've come to lift him up, and I've come to crack open his word. And I, I pray you've, you've come to learn something about Jesus today. Now, I pray that you didn't just show up so somebody else could see you in your new outfit. I pray that you didn't just show up because you ain't have nothing else to do on a Sunday morning. I pray that you came this morning to hear a word from the Lord. Amen. You know, as I was re reflecting on this week's te text, I was reminded of that, of that story, that childhood story of the boy who cried wolf. And in that story, the boy, boy who would cry out wolf, what was taking place? He would, he would do these practical jokes on people by saying, the wolf is coming, the wolf is coming. And, and people would, would lose their mind. They would begin to run away. They would begin to uh, uh, go take cover, go, go, go get protection. But, 
whenever the boy would come into town, he was responsible for making sure everybody knew the wolf was coming. And he was using that to his own favor and f- to get a kick out of it, to get a laugh out of what everyone would do when he said the wolf was coming. But the one time when the wolf was really coming, and the boy who cried wolf went through all the, all the, the town to say the wolf is coming, no one would believe him because they had found him to lack credibility. You know, that whole story is about deception, it's about lies, and it's about the lack of credibility. Beloved, I don't know about you, but we live in a day and age where there is a lack of credibility all throughout. We have a credibility issue in our world. We have a credibility issue in our homes. We have a credibility issue because folks been crying wolf so long and been lying, we don't know who to believe anymore. It is so sad that it seems as if no one can be believed anymore. You can't fully believe the newspapers. You can't fully believe the television. You can't fully believe the internet. You you can't fully believe the radio. You can't fully believe the government. And you sure can't believe the president. I'm like, who are we to believe if we can't believe these individuals? How many scandals have taken place because of someone's lies? How much destruction has been manifested because people are being untruthful? We're plagued in a sea of corruption and scandal in our own lives and in the culture abroad. We, we see it every day. And it just, it's this burden and you feel like just no one can be trusted anymore. I remember even just this past week, you know how during the summer those sales those salespeople come to your uh, your house. They're selling insurance. They're selling uh, 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 AT&T, Spectrum. They're selling all kinds of different things. And we had one salesman come to our door the other day, and it was actually something I have been interested in a little while. I've been I've been looking into some of those those uh, those uh, ring ring type doorbells, like the ones we have on a church where it has a camera and you can see. Who's at your door? So I've been interested. My wife, know, she knows I've been interested in that. And uh, the, the, uh, the gentleman, he had came the day before when I wasn't home. So she said, you know, come back, my husband. Uh, he's been looking into some of this. So he came back the next day, and immediately when I seen him, I was like, I don't trust you. He began to give his spiel. He began to give his speech. And, and he wanted to come in and sit down. I'm, like, I'm looking up and down like, you want to come in my house? I don't trust you. So I had, I had to make sure that, that he, he, I was scoping him out. So we came into our kitchen, like close by the door, so I could throw him out if we needed to. But, and, and I sat out with him, and he's going over all of the details. And, and it, it actually sounds like a good program, but I'm like, what's the catch? I don't trust you. And in some ways, beloved, we, we walk around every day in our conversations with one another, and, we, and we're thinking in our mind, what's the catch? I don't believe you. I don't really trust you. And we, and we put up these, these walls in, uh, uh, where, where in the body these walls should be broken down, but we put up these walls because the world is so filled with lies. In a world filled with lies, how can Christians keep their credibility? In a world where it seems 
no one can be fully believed, Christians must be the champions of truth. And, and I'm not just talking about people who speak the truth. Yes, we speak the truth. John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Ephesians 4, where we speak the truth in love, that those are the things that as Christians we are called to do to speak the truth. But I'm not just talking about speaking the truth as it comes from God's word. I'm just talking about being honest people. A people who are truthful in our speech. Because truthfulness actually matters. And we see in the text that this morning we're going to look at that Jesus is pointing out to his disciples that the truth matters because behind every lie, behind every deceptive word, behind every exaggeration, behind every embellishment, behind every spin, there's a fork-toothed serpent seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. This world is perishing and passing away, and its only hope is the personification of truth, Jesus the Christ. But, beloved, if we want people to believe in the truth, Christians must be committed and have the courage to tell the truth. In a world full of lies, Christians must be filled with the truth. In a world full of lies, Christians must be filled with the truth. In other words, Christians, as Christians, we must be truth tellers. We must be truth tellers. This is what Jesus is laying out for us here in Matthew, the fifth chapter. We'll be looking at verses 33 through 37. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're going to pick up on Jesus' words in verse 33. And if you would, in honor of reading of God's word, if we could all please stand together. Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning with the 33rd verse. This is the inerrant, infallible Sufficient word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I'd like to place a tag upon this morning's text. Christians tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Christians tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Won't you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we do come before you and we thank you that you are with us. And that as you have surrendered all to us, 
Father, may we surrender all to you this morning. And Father, as we come to this text of Scripture, Lord, we may think that we're truthful people, but Lord, there's so much deception and manipulation in our hearts. Father, may you purify that. May you show us our sin that we may repent and turn towards you, and we will be bold living witnesses for you in this world. Father, please unfold and give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. Father, may you take my weakness and my inability, my lowliness, and my foolish words and anoint them with power and might by your Holy Spirit that you would be exalted and your kingdom will come and your will will be done. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to dig into your word this Sunday morning. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' precious holy name we do pray. Amen. When we hear this word swearing, in our modern context, we automatically think about cussing somebody out or hearing some, some bad words, or using foul language. But, but what actually is taking place here, what, what Jesus has in view are two things primarily, oaths and vows. Oaths and vows. An oath being the, the invocation of God or of some sacred object to undergird a statement or a promise. And a vow being this, a, a, a solemn promise to God of an action to be performed voluntarily, voluntarily, but binding. I'll go back. An oath is an invocation of, of God or of some sacred object to undergird a statement or a promise. So, so an oath is something that uh, you, you, you promise to God, and that gives you a little bit more weightiness in your statement. And the same thing with a vow, a solemn promise to God of an action to be performed voluntarily but binding. So you, you make this vow that I will do something, and, and you promise to God at, to, to indicate that this is weighty to you and that it really will happen. So this is a promise to do something or promise not to do something. So here, Jesus is, he's referring to a, a, a practice of adding certain words, again, to, to bolster a claim. So this would be similar to an oath you would take in a court of law, where you go to the witness stand and they say, place your hand on the Bible, raise your right hand. Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And the person says, I do. That, the taking of that oath is to, is to symbolize that what this person is about to say is really the truth. That they can't be trusted with the account and, and eyewitness testimony that they're about to give. On the other hand, an oath, this would be a situation where, where someone vows that they will do something. Like, oh, I, I, I swear to God I'll pay you back. Just let me hold that 20. I, I, I promise I'll pay you back. You know how that goes sometimes. But those, this is what Jesus is talking about, these, these vows and these oaths that were being used on a routine basis day after day in their culture. But what we see here is that in Jesus correcting the distortion, he goes back to the original standard. 
And what Jesus quotes here, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. That that statement is actually a a, a concatenation of Old Testament texts. So that specific phrase is not a particular scripture, but what I want you to see, I want us to walk through the Old Testament right quick to look at a couple of scriptures to see where Jesus is getting this, this principle, this idea from. The first text I want us to look at is Exodus, the 20th chapter and the 7th verse, where it said, you shall, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So this is one of the Ten Commandments, and God is saying, don't take my name lightly. Don't play with my name. Don't use it frivolously. Don't do anything you want with my, my name ain't your name. And you need to honor my name. My, my name should have a certain weightiness to it when it's coming out your mouth. My name should have a certain weightiness when you, when you just begin to think about my name. When we begin to think about Yahweh, when we begin to think about Jesus, it's to have a certain weightiness. And we need to stop playing with God all the time, using his name however we want, promising on his name as if God is like one of us. You shall not use my name in vain. This is like a tennis. This is like one of the big commandments, one of the big deals, because God's name, God's honor is a big deal. So along those same lines, this principle began to flush out that anytime you are using the name of of God, it needs to be used in a way of reverence, respect, and honor that you behold the weightiness and understand just what's going on. So in Leviticus, the 19th chapter, Verses 11 and 12, under the law it says, now, now, now watch the trajectory of this text. Watch what's going on. He says, you shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. He's saying what... Well, th- The spirit behind this is, don't be deceptive to one another. Don't be shady towards one another. Don't try to be slick with one another. Stop trying to get over on one another. Stop trying to take advantage of one another. If you, you, don't lie to one, why, why does God need to come down and say, don't lie? Because we lie. Why does, he, why does he say you shall not steal? Because we steal. He's laying out these laws to help us to understand where we stand in proximity to a holy and righteous God. But then we go on to Numbers, the 30th chapter, the 30th chapter and the second verse. And this says that if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So what is he getting at? If you say you're going to do something, then you need to do it. 
Deuteronomy, the 23rd chapter and the 21st verse. And he says, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you. You will be guilty of sin. If you make a promise to God, don't have step in doing it. Don't, you know what he's saying? I ain't talking about nobody. But what he's saying is, don't show up on Sunday morning and talking about, I surrender all. And then as soon as you leave, you take back yourself and all your stuff and you use it for your purposes and not God's. That's really what he's saying. Don't tell God what you're going to do and then don't do it. Well, Lord, if, if, if you get me out this situation, I'm going to start going to church. If you get me out of this situation, I'm going to be nice to my husband. I'm going to be nice to my... What Jesus is laying out is the standard, the principle all throughout Scripture that the people of God should be trustworthy. The people of God should be truthful. The people of God should have a, 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 an air about themselves that you know that they are believable. That you know, that you... You, you may have their references and you may have their background check, but because they are who they are, they've already been up front with you. You don't have to go digging for dirt because they've already kept it real. That, needs, that should and ought to be the testimony of all Christians. I'm not talking about pagans. I'm not talking about unbelievers. If, if, if again, Jesus is talking about being Christian, if Christians just acted like Christians. If, if Christians just told the truth all the time, how better would our world be? So, so Jesus is going back, and, and, he, and, he, and, and he takes that statement, and he said, now this is what you've been hearing, but this is not how y'all been living, because the Pharisees had, had distorted that principle, they had distorted the Old Testament text. And again, they, they took God's word and they began to lower the standard of God's word in order that they would be seen as someone who had it all together, someone who was real pious, someone who was worthy of praise. They want to praise themselves. So they took God's law and they began to lower it. So what they would do, it, it, because if you vowed a vow or made an oath, to the name of God and broke it, you would be in sin. They began to uh, make an oath and make a vow, not using God's name, but something that would imply God's name and his authority. This is what Jesus says, and, and don't make an oath. He says, either by heaven, either by earth, or Jerusalem. He said, don't, don't take an oath by those things because they had used the earth, they had used the heaven, they had used the city of the city of the great king as loopholes in order to act like they were being righteous, but really to do it whatever they wanted to do. How do we know this is their intention? How, how do we know that they were being shady in their intent? Well, Jesus, he, he goes a little bit deeper into this in his woes to the Pharisees. Turn with me to Matthew, the 23rd chapter. 
just over a few pages to the right. In Matthew, the 23rd chapter, Jesus, he's, he's, he's letting the Pharisees have it. He's laying out all those ways that they've been falling short, all those ways that they, they act like they got it together, but they really don't have it together. In Matthew, the 23rd chapter, beginning with verse 16, Jesus says, Woe to you, blind guys, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. They're being tricky. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar... It is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Jesus was telling them, stop playing with God. You trying to be all technical in your obedience. Well, we're, well we, we can't really, well, we won't swear by uh, the gold in the temple. We just sw swear by the temple. And Jesus is saying, what makes the gold in the temple important? The fact that it's my house. And then he says, well, we'll swear by uh, the, the altar, but not by the gift on the altar. We don't, want, we don't want to get ourselves in trouble. And Jesus says, what actually makes the gift on the altar sacred? The fact that it's my altar. So the, the Pharisees had begun to distort God's law in such a way that they were able to make vows and oaths in their own accord and not have to bear the responsibility for breaking it. So the problem was that in order not to sin, they would swear by things associated with God, but not by God's name. And in doing so, their oaths and their vows were no longer binding. So that, that would mean that someone could literally make a false accusation on someone in a court of law, swear by the golden, swear by the temple, and then when the evidence comes in and they find out that person had nothing to do with it, they say, well, I didn't swear by the gold. I just swore by the temple. And all kind of lies and all kind of deceit would begin to come out. Beloved, in, in a sense, the people, they, they were free to lie and free to break promises anytime they wanted. You know, metaphorically, they just do what we do. When we say something and we cross our fingers behind our backs, you know how you used to do that in grade school? Like, I give you a piece of gum if you do my homework. And you will make these statements and you will cross your fingers behind your back as if crossing your fingers kept you from having to tell the truth. Now, beloved, 
we don't have to be geniuses to understand this principle in our own lives. We go to deep lengths in order to present ourselves in such a way that seems truthful, all the while we got our fingers crossed behind our back. We have a facade that we want people to see. We have a certain image that we want to portray. And instead of telling the truth to everyone, we cross our fingers behind our back. And just like the Pharisees lowered God's standard, we begin to lower God's standard for truth, even as Christians. What the Pharisees and scribes found out, they, they found that they could hide their true intentions behind dishonest religious speech. They could hide their selfishness behind religious speech. They could hide their self-centeredness behind religious speech. And guess what? We do it too. We, 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 we come into church and, and someone asks us a question to do something and, and we say things, we say religious things like, I'll pray about it. We already know what that means. Or what about when... when, when when someone is inquiring you about a decision you made and, and, and you bring out the trump card, well, you know, the Lord told me to do it. Beloved, that's religious speech. Or when we say things like, the Lord gave me peace. That's religious speech. Or the Lord called me to this ministry. You know you, that you ain't got the gift of administration. Why is you trying to do that ministry? The Lord called me to it. You just want the recognition that comes with it. That is religious speech. And it's all dishonesty. This is what the text is about. Dishonesty in the church with God's people. And there, the Pharisees and their legalistic desire to keep the third commandment of not taking the Lord's name in vain, they begin to break the ninth commandment. The spirit of it, thou shalt not bear false witness. They just start a line. Beloved, at its core, dishonesty is a perception manipulation. We want control over how everyone else views us so we manipulated our words to get the perception we want people to have. We want to be liked, so we flatter. We want to be great, so we exaggerate. We want to be trusted, so we embellish the truth. It ain't a lie, but it shows the whole truth. We want to be powerful. So we spin the situation to make it look like we're better than what we are. There's so much spin going on this, these days. There's so much spin in the media. Folks just can't say, I was wrong. I did it. I said it. I was, but they got to spin it a certain way to make themselves look like they, they're really not responsible. I call folks like that Teflon. Teflon. You try to pin them with something, just roll off. I, I saw you on the corner talking to that woman who wasn't your wife. Oh, that wasn't me. I was at work. No. 
because your car that isn't your license plate, X, Y, Z, one, two, three. And, and, I, and I saw you with my own eyes, and, and my cousin and my wife saw you too. No, that wasn't me. Teflon, you, you can't stick nothing to them. And this is, the, this is the day and age we live, and honestly, it, it is sickening. It's tiring. Because you can't just believe what somebody says anymore. It's like you have to do this, pers- this, this background check. You're, 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 you're weaving and dodging, trying to really get to the hard motive of a person before you actually let them in and can trust them. That's not freedom. That's not liberty. That is not the life that Jesus has come to give us. But we're the reason why. Because we lie. How you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed. How things going on in your life? Oh, I'm well. Marriage falling apart. How you feel today? I'm doing great. All your bills past due. Because we want to manipulate people to think that we're actually doing better than what we really are. But Jesus says, but don't, don't stay there. Because you heard them say, but, but listen to what I say. And what Jesus wants us to understand is that dishonest speech, dishonesty is disrupted by the truth. Look here in verse 34. He says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. What is Jesus laying out? One, Jesus is laying out out this overarching truth that everything in this world belongs to God anyway. So stop acting like it don't. He says, don't swear by heaven. Why? Because it's it's the throne of God. Or by earth. Why? Because the earth is God's footstool. Or by Jerusalem, because it's the city of the great king. God owes it all. And then he says, what power do you really have to turn your hair black or white? So I don't know if they had all those uh, uh, hair coloring kits back then, but, but, but the underlying reality is you know what color your hair is for real. And you ain't got no power really to turn it black or white. But who does? God does. God does. See, God, does, God knows what your roots really look like. God knows. Now, nah, ain't no wrong coloring your hair. I'm just. God knows, though. And he's saying, just be honest. Simply live by yes or no. A simple yes or no is enough for a trustworthy person. You know you got those people in your life who will tell you something, and you got to double check, triple check, get some references to make sure, because you know this is not a trustworthy person. But when someone's life has been lived in such a way, it has been above reproach, Everything that they said they would do, they they have a track record of honesty. They have a track record of of being committed. 
They have a track record of being someone you can depend on. When you have a person in your life like that, oh, all they got to say is yes or no. You, you don't have to ask them, are you sure? Are you positive? No. Yes or no? That should be our Christian reputation. Yes or no? Are you going to be there? Yes or no? Have you been faithful this week? Yes or no? Are you really pursuing Jesus? Yes or no? Are you making much of Christ in the world? Yes or no? Do you really love Jesus today? Yes or no? Not all the extras, not all the excuses. Well, you know I had a long week. Well, you know, no, yes or no? God wants us to be transparent before him. If we can't be transparent before God, we'll never be transparent with one another. James 5 and 12 says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. See, understand, the whole reason why we even need to, to swear uh, an oath or to make a vow is the fact that we live in a fallen world full of lies. If everyone just told the truth, you wouldn't need to take the witness stand and, and promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You, you, you wouldn't need to go to the, the extras. Oh, I swear, to God, I, I swear on my mama. I swear on my daddy's grave. You're like, you wouldn't have to do any of that if we just were really honest. Sin is so pervasive that we, that we have to, to make all these concessions and try to fix things up in order that we can even believe one another. But what I believe that Jesus is doing here is actually something very profound. In verse 37, when he says, let what you say be simply yes or no, Jesus knows the condition of the human heart. Jesus already knows that we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Jesus, all, he already knows that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. He knows all that. But what Jesus is saying in being Christian, remember that's the overarching narrative, being Christian. What he is saying is, I, I know what it means for you to be a sinner, but if you are genuinely a Christian, something has taken place in your DNA that allows you to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So, so, so in a world filled with lies, Jesus says, you actually have the power to be Christian. In a world full of deception, he is saying, be Christian. In a world filled with selfishness and self-centeredness, he is saying, be Christian. And you can be Christian because you have been Filled with the spirit of truth, John 14. When he says, and the helper will come. And he will lead you into all righteousness. 
And he will remind you of all the things that I say. What Jesus is talking about when he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, he is saying that I have given you supernatural power from on high in order to live this Christian life. I have changed you from the inside out. And because I have changed you from the inside out, you ain't got to worry about what everybody says about your outside in. You don't have to worry about it. You can be honest without the fear of condemnation because I've already took care of that on the cross. You don't have to worry about what they may say about you because you are beautiful and fearfully and wonderfully made in my eyes. You don't have to worry about what the world may consider you to be because of your background, because of what I have in your future. He is saying you can just say yes or no because I freed you up for it. To be truth tellers is to be filled with the truth. Are you a dishonest person? Just be honest. Can you even be honest if you're a dishonest person? No, the, tr- the truth has to be in you somewhere. So even for, for you to even understand how dishonest you really are, you have to have the truth of God's word in your heart. But when God's truth is really in you, then you're able to see just how short we fall of God's stand and how much we need his grace and how much we need his mercy in order for us to continue day by day. We Christians have to disrupt the status quo. I don't care if our government ain't honest. I don't care if our president ain't honest. I don't care if our local school district or, or local or whatever may be dishonest. That may be how they roll. That's not how we going to roll. And when everyone else is telling lies, we have to be committed to the truth. Because the truth is in us. So lastly, what I want you to see by, in Jesus' words, he says, if, if, the, if the core of dishonesty is this perception manipulation, then the inception of dishonesty is fully satanic. Look here, verse 37. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Why does Jesus need to say that? Jesus wants you to understand that every lie Every dishonest remark is satanic. John 8 and 44 reminds us, Jesus talking to the Pharisees, you are of the, your father the devil, and, you will, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character For he is a liar and the father of lies. When we stand and tell a bold-faced lie to our family, friends, and loved ones, we are being satanic and demonic. Satan seeks to deceive us in order to manipulate us into doing his will. So he comes at us with lies. Don't nobody love you, but he will. I know he ain't got a job, he ain't no good, and he don't love Jesus, but he'll love you. 
And he comes. You, you, you should holler at her. She's beautiful. I, I, I know she's kind of talking to a whole bunch of men right now, but, but you, you should try to. And, and he lies to us in order to manipulate us, to crush us. And when we choose dishonesty over truth, we choose to speak with that same fork-toothed tongue as Satan, manipulating others to do our will. May it not be of God's people. But God has given us the power by the spirit of truth to restore some sense of credibility to our speech. How do we restore credibility quickly? Christians can restore credibility to their speech by saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Just honest speech. If you got a problem with somebody, tell them that you got a problem with them. Don't act like everything all good. If, if you ain't feeling something, have an honest conversation about it. Don't let bitterness set up in you. Say what you mean to mean what you say. Just be honest. But also, we must keep our promises and be people of our word. As best as you can, do what you say you're going to do. If you say, I'll pay you back, then you pay them back. So, so, so everyone pause right now, because sometimes we forget who we owe. Everybody pause right now. Who do you owe some money? Like, think about it. Like, I know I owe somebody some money. Let me just start asking people, do I owe you some money? Because you know you do. You just can't figure out from who. If you say I'll be there, you be there. But then also we can, we can restore our credibility by living in a way where your word is actually worth something. What else does a, that's that saying, what else does a man ha have uh, like but his word? We restore credibility when we tell the truth with our lips and with our lives. No more dichotomy, no more hypocrisy. Because ultimately, beloved, if, if the world can't believe our words, why would they believe our gospel? If the world can't trust our everyday conversation, why would they trust us with the things of Christ? We become just like the boy who cried wolf, lacking all credibility with those we come in contact with. And then you get into those, those, uh, those awkward situations where you're trying to tell them about Jesus and they're looking at you like, you trying to tell me about Jesus? In a world full of lies, who do we believe? I think God reminds us of that in Numbers 23 where he says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? In a world filled with lies, the person we believe is Jesus Christ. And we believe God when he says to us in John 8, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We believe God when he says the truth of who Christ is will actually set us free. And we believe God when he says, 1 John 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why is that important? If we believe God and take him at his word, what he is saying is because Jesus sets us free by his truth, we don't have to fear what everyone else thinks about us. And when I don't fear what other people may say or think about me, then I can tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The truth of Christ sets us free from fear. And God makes us another promise, that if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all iniquity, and he makes the promise that whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He makes those promises to us. And he will fulfill it. Can people believe your promises? Is your word reliable? Can your word really be trusted? Do you do what you say you will do? Truth will not come out of you unless truth is already inside of you. And today, we, we may need to repent because there's never been truth in us because we've never surrendered our life to Jesus Christ. And we may need to repent and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry for living by my own truth. But, but your word, your, your truth says that I am in sin and I need to trust you for salvation. Or we may be here today and we've been dishonest or manipulative in our speech. And we need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for, for not using my tongue for, for true gospel purposes, but for my own glory. Father, please forgive me. We may need to repent today, but we need faith today. We need to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and he did what he said he would do and that he will set us free from the bondage of sin. We no longer have to be like the world because he has set us apart by his blood. And because of that, we can walk in no condemnation now. In a world full of lies, Christians must be filled with the truth because Christians tell the truth the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word and for being powerful and for being mighty. And Father, I ask that your word would just stir our hearts, that we would walk in transparency and truth before one another, that we would truly honor you, O oh God. We do love you and thank you for the privilege, Lord, for the one who is struggling and wrestling with your word right now. Lord, I ask that you would draw them near to you that they would be rescued, that they would be saved. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' precious holy name we do pray. Amen.